Blog Talk Radio. edition of Real Travels. I am your host, Lisa Iannucci. And not only am I the host of Real Travels, I am also the author of On Location, a film and TV lover's travel guide. And I am so excited about being back on the air. It's been a few weeks and I apologize about that. And the reason why is because, well, all I can say is I've been writing like crazy. I've had, I'm a writer and I have a lot of assignments going on, books uh, that I'm working on for people. And it just kind of took over my life for a little while. But of course, I had to make my way back to my favorite podcast. I love doing this podcast and my favorite people that are out there listening to me. Um, before I get started, I wanted to tell you that my special guest today is Sean Barrett. He's the artistic director of Land of Oz in North Carolina. And I have not been to this place. It is mentioned in my book, but I did not get a chance to get there before the book went to print. Uh, but I am definitely putting it on my list to go there, hopefully next year, because I'm a huge Wizard of Oz fan. I've been watching it ever since I was a kid. And it's just magical. I mean, how many of us have thought about, you know, uh, hooking arms with friends and following the yellow brick road? And <laughs> how many of you have sung all the songs and, and just enjoyed really the hell out of that movie? It's such a great movie. And it's a tradition. I mean, it's coming up to the holiday season. We're going to see it on TV again. And it's just something that I don't think that we can live at without seeing it year after year after year. So just imagine going to this place that actually brings the Wizard of Oz and the Land of Oz to life. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I was so glad to do this interview with Sean. And I am actually going to just hop right into that interview now and talk to you guys a little bit afterwards and I do have a very special Celebrity Minute today, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I'm just thrilled. So enjoy this interview. When I was a kid, I did probably what most kids my age did, and I watched The Wizard of Oz a lot. I mean, a lot. And I'm now I'm an adult, and I watch The Wizard of Oz <laughs> a lot. And I always, throughout this whole time, I always wanted to be following the yellow brick road. I wanted to be reliving what, what they went through. And today we're going to talk about an opportunity to make, if you had that same kind of dream and that fantasy of doing something like that, making it come true. Because today my guest, my special guest is Sean Barrett, who's the artistic director of the Land of Oz in North Carolina. Hi, Sean. How are you? Great. How are you? I am good, and like I said, you know, we've talked off the air. I've been so excited about having you on this show because when I started putting this book together and starting to find out about what was out there for film and TV fans to, to do and experience and came across the Land of Oz, this little girl in me got 
so excited because I never knew a place like this had existed. Tell us a little bit about the how this whole place kind of came about. You've been this has been open for quite a while, right? Uh, well, the park itself was open and fully operational from 1970 to 1980. It closed. It was kind of left to its own devices for a little bit. And then it was reopened in the sense that they did a daily, once-a-year event as a reunion for the original um, employees in the early 90s. And it just grew and expanded over the past 25 years or so. So now we're actually open for a few days a year, a couple uh, weeks in June, a couple Fridays in June, and then a full weekend in September. And we keep trying to add in little events here and there so that people can come and visit the Land of Oz more than, it, more than they've ever been able to before. Um, but the Land of Oz was actually the brainchild of Jack Kentes, who was a Charlotte-based designer. He was brought to Beach Mountain in the mid-60s or so, by the Robbins brothers, who um, were part of Carolina Caribbean Corporation, and they were developing Beach Mountain into a tourist attraction. So they had the top of beach. They wanted something to do with it during the summer months to bring in tourism. And they brought Jack up. He saw the trees, and he said, this is the land of Oz. So from that moment on, it became the land of Oz. You know, before we talk more about the park, what is it that you think people love about this movie so much that they want to actually bring it to life like this and have a place to go and and even dress up and walk down that yellow brick road? And, you know, um, what what do you think it is about the movie that has kind of stood this test of time? You know, I think... I do get asked this question often, and it's one of those things where it hits a chord with a lot of people, and all for varying different reasons. I kind of, I think as a younger boy, because there are just as many boys who are into The Wizard of Oz as there are little girls, and I think it differs a little bit from the Disney movies like Cinderella or Snow White and whatnot. And I just feel like with The Wizard of Oz, it is an everyday kid who gets thrown on this magical journey and she makes all of these friends while trying to help herself achieve her goal of getting home. She's helping others, but it's all of these um, character types that, you know, everybody feels like they're not smart enough. Everybody feels like they're not loved or they can't love or everybody feels like they're scared at times. So I think where you're at in your um journey in life you can relate to the scarecrow you can relate to the tin man you can relate relate to the lion and you also can relate to dorothy in many aspects because she's not looking for her prince charming she's just looking to get back home to her family where she is loved where she feels um secure and safe and i think any person can relate to that and what the film does is um, because there is the whole book series, and the book series does touch upon all of that as well. But I think the movie is just so well-crafted, and you can tell the people who produced the film and directed the film and starred in the film loved being a part of movie. And Judy Garland is Judy Garland, and I don't think anybody can argue her performance in that movie. I mean, it's the movie's 80 years old, and we still at the park, we have two-year-old kids who know exactly who Dorothy is. 
And I think mm-hmm. that just kind of speaks for itself. Do you remember the first time you watched it? I mean, obviously you have to be a fan, I guess, I mean, to to, to be working at, you know, the land of Oz. But, I mean, do you remember, like, that first time that you saw that as a kid? I Oh, I, I do. I definitely do. So I'm 32, so when I was younger, it was during the 50th anniversary of the film. So at that time, they were releasing so much merchandise. The Wizard of Oz was on VHS. There was this whole commemorative edition. So my mom bought me the VHS of The Wizard of Oz, and for me, from that moment on, the rest was history. It was like that that was my life path. Um, and <laughs> I collected Wizard of Oz for a very long time, and I just, the first time I saw the movie, I would have been about three or four years old, and the one thing that I remember the most from that very first viewing was when she opened the door into Munchkin Land, and everything was in color. And I think Mm-hmm. I just I watched it daily for I think and I I have a lot of friends who watched it daily for years and it just it was that movie for me and my mom you know she started buying me like they had action figures at Toys R Us or they had stuffed animals or like little figurines or whatnot and that was just the that was the end of it for me. Do you still have them? I do. I actually so I collected very heavily through my early twenties. And I had a room full of stuff at my mom's house. And then by my mid twenties, I was like, I need to, I need to step back from this a little bit because it was becoming to be a lot. So I held on to a lot of the stuff that meant a lot to me or that I had always been looking for. And then I sold off some of the collection as well. But I have some of my closest friends. Like uh, I'm really good friends. One of my best friends is Walter Kruger. And he's he's around my age, and he has one of the world's largest Wizard of Oz collections. And so anytime I need to, like, I guess get my fix, I always just uh, <laughs> go out to Chicago and play in Walter's collection and with all of his stuff. Okay, so here you are, an absolute huge fan of The Wizard of Oz, and now you are at the land of Oz. I mean, how did that happen for you? That's got to be a dream come true for you. It, I have moments where I don't really process, to be honest, because I'm like, is this my job? Um, <laughs> but I, so I was first introduced to land of Oz. What ended up happening was there was a book called The Wizard of Oz Collector's Treasury by Bill Stillman and Jay Scarfone, and it showed all of, the collectibles up until I think the early nineties that had been produced for the wizard of Oz. And in this, there were uh, pages of the original postcards from the park. So I had no idea it existed until I got this book. And I don't know if you've seen the photos from the seventies, but the park characters look absolutely nothing like the movie characters whatsoever. They have these huge mascot masks. They are very seventies. Dorothy's in like a little mini skirt with knee high socks. But I just was captivated by these photos. And so we did some research. We found out about the Autumn at Oz Festival. And I went as a guest um, in 1998 for the first time. And I went every year after that. And I was a part of the International Wizard of Oz Club, which is still in existence today. And at that time, the editor of their magazine asked if I wanted to write story on the land of Oz because I was one of the only people within the club who was regularly going there. 
So I went down and I wrote this, um, like the history of the park. So I was doing a lot of research on it. And my father brought me down that summer and I met the woman who was managing it at the time. And she asked if I wanted to come back and be a character. And I think I went back the next year or the year after and I played the scarecrow and I brought one of my be one of the Dorothy's and it kind of progressed into each year. I would add a friend and add a character because all my friends wanted to come down. So it just kind of snowballed uh, from there. And as I went to college, it still made it a point to go down. And then a lot of my New York based actor friends would come down and be like the Tin Man or the Lion. Um, and then I did that for about 13 years. And by my 13th year, as much as I love being the scarecrow, I kind of was like, I think it's time to to kind of put the straw in the closet and call it a day. So I did that. And then the current, or the owners actually um, met with me and one thing led to another and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, you when you talked about it, as a kid, like, you know, it was your fate and everything began. I mean, literally everything was put into motion for you to be here. I mean, that's incredible because not many people have that opportunity to love something as a kid and be part of it as an adult. I think that's an amazing story. Yeah, I will well, have, I am very aware of how fortunate I am to be given this opportunity. I'm I'm very lucky. It doesn't feel like work half the time. I have a good group of people around me. It's just I it's a very very lucky situation that I'm very happy to be a part of. And I just want to also tell my listeners, too, because you mentioned the International Wizard of Oz um, Club, and you're right, they, they, you know, if you guys are interested, you can go to ozclub.org and check it out. Um, and I'm going to spend a little more time on that website after I'm done with this interview. But let's get back to talking about the Land of Oz, because, um, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's kind of changed a little bit over the years. As a fan, you know, if I was coming there for the first time, what can I expect? to see once I'm there? Well, it depends on what event that you do come uh, to. So in June, we have the Journey with Dorothy tours, and that's a guided tour down the Yellow Brick Road with Dorothy. So you come to the event. The only characters that are present are Miss Gulch, Dorothy, and the Wizard. So within your group, before you go to Kansas, you people are randomly selected and given hats and scripts to play the Scarecrow, Tim and Lion, and the Wicked Witch and Glinda. So it's a very interactive experience, and you play off of Dorothy along the Yellow Brick Road. But it's, just, it's a very intimate tour with her. You get one-on-one -on -one time with her. It is, you walk into Kansas. She, uh, Miss Gulch is there looking for Toto. Dorothy comes out, sings Over the Rainbow. She brings you through the tornado. You walk the you walk the Olympic Road with Dorothy. And that um, was very much how the park was from 1976 to 1980. It was Dorothy walked you through and met the characters. Uh, for Autumn and Oz, Autumn and Oz is our largest event, um, and it's all the bells and whistles. So we have the minute you get into parking, there's a little fair down below with vendors and a petting zoo, and then you take the shuttle up to the land of Oz and it is like being thrown into the middle of the movie. So at, Kansas, any, at any given time that you walk into Kansas, there could be 
show with the farmhands dancing or Miss Gulch and Aunt Em are in their argument about Toto or the Professor Marvel is reading your uh, reading your future in his crystal ball or Dorothy singing over the rainbow. And we have all these little shows that are happening on rotation. And then once you walk through the uh, tornado, you come out the other side and you're able to walk down the Elder Road at your own leisure. But we have Glinda and we have the Scarecrow up in his cornfield and the Tin Man and the Lion and the Wicked Witch and the Flying Monkeys and the park is decorated um, to the nines. And then you get out and we have, a, we have an Emerald City set up because the park was defunct for a while. And in that period, it deteriorated. We Unfortunately, the Emerald City no longer exists but we do have something that is there for the Autumn and Oz event to represent the Emerald City. And there's uh, food and um, characters and uh, vendors selling Wizard of Oz merchandise. The music's playing. It's just, it's, we try to do our best to engulf you into the story. Um, so you feel like you're going on the journey with, uh, as Dorothy, as you're walking down the Elder Road. You know, I, I can't imagine all the different, you know, ages and, and that, that you've seen, um, I guess, men and women like you were talking about. What do you, Does anybody stand out to you? Like, you get a chance to meet the people that come, and does anybody stand out to you as, you know, a, a particular emotional story or fun story about their journey to this place? There's – there. I have from over – I'm trying to think. So over the course of the years, because now I'm going on being a part of this event for 20 years at this point. I mean, I have dozens and dozens of stories. One of my favorite moments that I bring up often is a couple years ago, uh, we had a Russian family dressed as the Russian versions of the Wizard of Oz characters because it's a whole other entity in Russia. So that was really, really cool to see. Last year, the, the Land of Oz, from the movie and everything in North Carolina in the 1970s was a very, very loved um, theme park. So we get generations of people who went to the park when it was open in the 70s and come back and they bring their kids and their grandkids. And so we have a lot of the original employees who were um, hired at the park in the 70s, come back. So we have original Dorothy's playing our Aunt M's or our Glinda's or our Miss Gulch's. And uh, we ha- sometimes their daughters come and play Dorothy. We have one family, the Harkins family, and the mom was a Dorothy in the 70s. The dad was a Tin Man. Um, so they come back and they play our Wizard and Professor Marvel and Glinda. And their daughter, who currently works at Disney, um, she comes up and she plays one of our Dorothys. So that's a lot of fun, and we love them to death. And then there's um, last year, there was a woman who was going through the park, and she had a photo of herself when she was a kid at Land of Oz. And she is with Dorothy, and she's crying, and Dorothy's consoling her. And so the whole time she was there, she was just looking for this woman, and it was by chance that we had an original Dorothy in our pop-up museum exhibit. It was her first year being a part of the event. And the woman went in and she's like, I'm looking for this Dorothy. And Melinda was like, that's me. So it just, it became this whole emotional thing because it was just by chance that Melinda was a part of the event that year. It was by chance that this was the first year the woman had gone back to the seventies 
and she was reunited with the Dorothy that she remembers walking her through the park. So there's lots of little stories like that that continue as we do these events. And a lot of the uh, families of the creative team who built the park um, have been very supportive of what we want to do because it was their blood, sweat, and tears back in the 70s. And honestly, for us, it is now in a great way that we're very honored to be a part of the history of this place. Um, but the story is gone. I mean, my, I have had friends, men who are over six, two, and they get on the yellow brick road and they like tear up, you know, and the biggest, <laughs> the one question, the one question that we, that I get a lot from adults is, are we allowed to skip? And it's like, yes, just don't think about anybody around you because if you're self-conscious about skipping, just so you know, everybody else around you, whether somebody was looking or not, they they started skipping at one point. So it's it's a lot of fun. And it's also, um, it's really wonderful to see what The Wizard of Oz means to people in general. Um, it has touched a chord with, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and to see it in person from a little kid who is two years old to grandma who's 90, it's it's a really cool, cool thing to see. And it's, you know, it's tradition. I mean, it, you know, every year at holiday time, you know, you, you just look for that showing of the Wizard of Oz and it's like I don't know when it became a holiday thing but it's like not the holiday if I haven't watched Wizard of Oz you know and it's become such a such a tradition but let me ask you too because you know you have these special events can I ask why aren't you guys open year-round um, there are a few reasons. One reason is that when they closed the park, they did not know what to do with with it. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. It literally just, it was more of a hindrance than a resurgence of bringing it back up to where it needed to be. So what they ended up doing was um, the surrounding properties were sold off and a gated community was built. So, there's that reason. Also, um, it just at this given moment in time, it's like we need an Emerald City, but there's kind of a house where the Emerald City used to be that was built in the late '80s and that kind of thing. And it just it's become instead of a full blown theme park, it's a special events venue that's only open sporadically throughout the year. So if I was taking a trip down there or my listeners are taking a trip, you know, you're talking about um, it's Beach Mountain. um, It says Beach Mountain and the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. What else is there to do in the area, you know, if I'm coming down for the three-day event? Well, actually, two questions here. Do I buy one ticket for all three days? Like, do we do that? Or can I only go to one day and then – I would be off visiting something else, which is, you know, kind of some ideas of what else there is to do in the neighborhood. Right. So the, um, your ticket price gets you in for one day. It's the same programming for each day. So basically it's like your admittance to the, to the theme park for the day. It's anything like with Disney or, um, any smaller mom and pop theme parks, like your tickets for, 
for that day. Um, but also in the area, if you're going down for the three days, there is Tweetsie Railroad and Blowing Rock, which is actually, um, it's the same developers that did Land of Oz. They, that was their first theme park. And that is a Western-based uh, theme park with a locomotive train that drives around the mountain. And it's, we actually, I went for one of the first times uh, two weeks ago with my designer. And it's a lot of, that's a lot of fun. There's also Grandfather Mountain, which has uh, gorgeous hiking trails. And um, for the adults, there's the Banner Elk Winery, which is a very gorgeous little spot. And they have great wine. Um, so there's a bunch of little events that are happening. Or I don't even want to say events. There are a bunch of other attractions in the area that will keep you busy throughout the weekend. It's a gorgeous part of the country. It's so high in the mountains. It's just, it's, it's addicting to go there. Like all of my friends who have gone, they always want to go back because it's just, the views are stunning. There's plenty of stuff to do around there for families and for adults alike. So I highly suggest, highly suggest it. Awesome. Um, this is amazing. I mean, if people, you know, um, are, you know, interested in coming down to the event in September or to the Dorothy tours, how do they find you guys on, um, the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, things like that? Right. So, um, our website is landofoznc.com and it's NC like North Carolina, so we have all the information for ticket sales. All of our events are up on the website, um, FAQ, because, side note, everybody thinks the park's abandoned, and it's not. Um, so mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to push that end of it. And then on Facebook, we the Land of Oz does have a Facebook page that also is continually updated with um, events and when tickets go on sale for everything. Excellent. Now, before I let you go, what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh, my favorite part of the movie. I think it's that moment where the four of them all link arms and they skip down the Elbert Road singing off to see the wizard as a unit. Because that's mm-hmm. like the, that's when all the puzzle pieces are together. That's when they all become one. And that's, I just, that's such an iconic image. And then they, it fades out into the, the witch looking in on the like her crystal ball with the flying monkey. I think that's definitely my favorite part. You know, it's so funny because when if you ask anybody one thing that I love now, it's it's monkeys. I, I absolutely orangutans, monkeys, any any kind of monkey. I'm I'm a fan. But when I was a kid, in this movie, they scared the crap out of me. The, I don't know. I mean, now, of course, as an adult, I watch it. I'm like, what was I scared of? But as a kid, were you not scared of those monkeys when you were little? I don't think just- the monkeys <laughs> – well, no, what's funny is that – so my dad's, like – my dad's 73, and he, to this day, he's, like, as a kid, he's, like, those darn monkeys. He's, like, they got me every time because he used to watch it when it was first on TV. The monkeys, I don't think I process them being scary. I was – absolutely petrified of the wicked witch so when she mm-hmm. came out in the tornado i would pretend to be dorothy throwing my head in the pillow and acting out the scene with her but it was really because i was scared and anytime my mom because we would my mom would go weekly uh to the toy store to get like the next action figure that i needed in the set 
And any time it came to get that Wicked Witch, I cannot, I cannot do it. And finally, after weeks of my mom rebuying me Dorothy, because I would wear Dorothy out until she broke. My mom was like, I am buying the witch, and we are keeping her until you are ready for her. She's like, because I, I think at that point, my mom just wanted to get the witch figure, and she was just over me being scared of her. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. Um, and you have an awesome mom to even think, you know, I'm just going to, just, just to even think that way. I'm just going to get it. We're going to leave it here. It's really not for you. It's for me. But, you know, when you're ready, you can take a look at it. <laughs> right. That's and awesome. the minute, like, I got home, yeah, the minute I got home, I was playing with it. But I was very, like, she was always off to the side while I was playing with the other ones. So <laughs> she was there. Just you know, and it's – yeah, it, and it's funny, too, because I have some items here as well and and books and things like that. And, you know, it, it's just amazing. You just want – and that's why I kind of wrote this book and, and told people about places they can go that they love. And I never really approached talking about all the collections that we all have because it does make us feel connected to our favorite movie or TV show. You know, just I have – I love Lucy Dolls. And they're my favorite thing. That was my sister. uh, It's awesome. I mean, it's like I just feel connected. Like I feel like I have a little Lucy in my house, you know? (laughs) Yeah, my sister, it's funny. I was sorry, I was going to say, my sister was uh, very much a Lucy fan. And she probably, she she definitely got a couple of the dolls as well. Now she's like, I don't know why I bought them, but in the moment, like she had to have them. So it's just. I collecting's a whole other ball game and a whole other book for you. It you know, it really is. I spoke to somebody um yesterday who runs the superhero hall of um superhero museum out in um Indiana and it started because of his collection and it, it he then create took his collection and created a museum out of it. Now the, the not for profit that he runs buys the stuff for the museum, but it's like more than like 10,000 things in this museum. It's the largest superhero, you know, exhibit in the world. And I, I keep, I, I just can't imagine like some of these people, I, there's other museums in this country that are based off of people's personal exhibits or personal collections. And you're right. It is a whole book, you know, and, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe you just gave me an idea, <laughs> but I, just I think it's so. awesome. I mean, I, you know, I have like comic books for Lucy. I have cookie jars, and it's just uh, like I said. It's and same thing with Wizard of Oz stuff, and it's just so much fun to look at that. And it's been so much fun to talk to you. And I honestly could keep talking to you, but you are one busy man, and I am going to let you get back because you have a big event coming up soon, and I'm going to let you get back to work. But Sean, thank you so much for being on Real Travels today. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So as you heard at the end, I said that Sean had an event that he was was coming up. So obviously I recorded that a little ways back. And because of work and other interviews, it's the first opportunity that I've had to get that interview up. But even still, Sean's always working on these events. And I'm sure that he's already starting working on the one for next year. So he's, like I said, a very busy man. I am also thrilled to have back for uh, one of my episodes my Celebrity Minute. And this week, if you guys have watched uh, the new show, well, it's in its second season now. It's uh, Station 19. It's a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. 
And one of my favorite firefighters on there is Travis, who's played by Jay Hayden. And Travis started having a relationship with Grant, who is played by Sterling Suleiman. And Sterling um, is my celebrity minute of the podcast. We had, I had a chance to ask him about his favorite film and TV travel story. So I'm so excited. He said yes, and here is his quote about his favorite show. Hey, my name is Sterling Suleiman from ABC's Station 19, and here's my favorite film travel story. Uh, so since I was a kid, I've always really been into treasure hunt movies, and I guess kind of detective stories too, um, like The Goonies and Indiana Jones. I love those movies. So any type of adventure... So this is about, uh, I saw Angels and Demons and then The Da Vinci Code. And I had read the books in college and loved them as well. So a buddy of mine had also seen them and we decided that we would go to Europe and hunt down all of the places and all of the art that were in the movies, every statue, every piece of art, and you know, see it firsthand. So we did, we went to London, Paris and Rome and we got to walk in the steps of Robert Langdon, the lead character from that movie. And it was really great. It was like, you know, it's so much more fun when you, you know, you can walk around a museum all day and stare at art. But like when you have some kind of backstory where you're like, oh, this meant this or this is the part where this happened. It made it so much cooler to be in front of it. And there was so much to see in all of those cities that was in the movies and then even like further described in the book so we had a really good time on that trip um and yeah i love that i was very inspired by that trip and i would love to go see if i could pick another place i would love to go to petra because that's at the end of indiana jones and the last crusade it's where he finds the holy grail so um maybe that is just next on my list another treasure Very cool. And Sterling, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your story. You are the epitome of the film and TV lover travel fan. And I'm so excited that you shared your your story uh, with me and with my listeners. And I would like to actually thank him for stopping by. I also want to thank Sean at the uh, Land of Oz in North Carolina for stopping by as well. And I also have not had a chance to thank my sponsor of this episode of Real Travels, Mario Scalzi of Parker Villa Tours. And you can find him at www.parkervillas.com. And again, I say it every time I mention him, I will be using Mario's services when I make my trip to Italy, which I hope will be sooner rather than later, because I want to stay and I want to be an Italian like the, the Italian that I am. I want to be like a resident there and explore like I live there. And I don't want to be there for just a couple of days. I want to stay there for hopefully like a month. So uh, it's a lot, of, it's of course, a lot of money. Uh, and a lot of time, but I'm, that's one of my bucket list goals. And of course, that also came from my love of Under the Tuscan Sun, which is the main reason why, even though I'm Italian, it was that movie that actually inspired me to go to Tuscany. And I hope to get there pretty soon. Let's keep all our fingers crossed. 
In the meantime, I have to go back to work and you guys have to go back to your lives, but I appreciate that you took time out to spend a little bit of it with me and to listen to my podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler. And I will be back with another podcast very, very soon. In the meantime, please get out and travel. Thank you.